All right. Thank you, everyone, for dealing with us. Uh, it's only show two, so, you know, problems will come here and there. But, uh, yeah, so I'm Matt Stoltz. Uh, thank you for joining us for episode two of Proofs Alive. Uh, if you have any questions this week, uh, while we're trying to monitor the stream, it goes by pretty quick. Uh, tweet to us with pound Prusa Live, hashtag Prusa Live, and that's the best way for you to get questions to us this week. Uh, and and shortly we will be joined with by uh, David from our firmware team, the head of our firmware team, along with Yuri, one of the firmware developers. Um, but let's get the show started. So uh, let's let's kick it off again with. Uh, Prusa Printer's Picks of the Week. Uh, what, what did you guys bring this week? Joe, you want to kick us off there? I am the first one. So, or something. I remember using it as a kid when I helped out on the, on the house. But this one is pretty small. And I can imagine that you can use it for mixing some beverages. But before that, you need to coat it in something which is food safe. And it is on Prusa Printer's uh, by Stay at Home Bob. So... Feel free to share some crazy ideas how to use this. Wonderful. Uh, what do you have for us uh, this week, Mickey? It's pretty. Look at it. It's a solder fume uh, extractor. Uh, the author called it the fumigator. Uh, and it's inspired by the new Mac Pro uh, front cover. So nice. it has these spheres all over the place and it's printed from Prushaman Galaxy Black and it's really pretty. I have this big uh, PC fan in it and you can put like activated carbon filter in it or whatever just you fancy. And yeah, so when you solder, you just uh, connect the cables to some power source, 12 volts, and it will pull the fumes out, which is uh, really good. You don't want to breathe them. Even if you solder a little bit, it's nice to not... Uh, you know, get them coming into your face. So it's by yeah. KH. It's on Prusa printers as well, and it's pretty cool. I I, I wonder, can you get these fans in five volts vari variants? Because that would be pretty nice use for all the like spare five volt USB chargers everyone has at home. Mm. Hmm, maybe. That's, yeah. that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah I, but... bet, I bet there will be they will be available. But you can use this to upcycle like all uh, PC power supply and uh, the fans from it. Yeah, and, and getting a hold of a 12-volt supply is, is fairly common and, and easy also. But yeah, those things are super useful to have around. Um, you know, if you're doing a lot of solder, all the fumes coming up in your face are so annoying. So it's yeah, I like upcycling things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just... Yeah, there, there is a good assumption that when you are doing some soldering projects, if you are not like a complete beginner, you have the bench power supply you can set to whatever voltage you want yeah, yeah. i mean i i have a lot of a lot of 12 volt like laptop kind of supplies around and things like that and i just have a little connector that barrel jack that i can add on to things and it makes it super easy and i have it around so it's sitting right beside me so i can even talk about it not even prompted uh all right so my pick this week uh is from one of my kind of favorite up and coming de uh designers I think he's been doing amazing work over the past uh, few months, past year or so. Um, and he's really been embracing Prusa printers, which I love. Um, and it's uh, Nick Daimlo, um, uh, Bugman140, and this is his, his Mesmer uh, pot. So this is a vase mode print, uh, single wall, uh, but printed in our uh, royal blue, I think, just comes out great. Because the way he faceted everything so it shines... Uh, as it hits different angles, just looks gorgeous. And yeah, I, I love it. So, and we've been, been planting lots of, of uh, plants around the house. And so it's always nice to be able to, to plant something in a, a 3D printed pot. Simple and easy. Looks cool. Yeah. And he's got, he's got tons of other uh, designs out there. So I've been, been loving the, uh, everything he's been putting out. So. Uh, I've been dying to print this one, and this was the perfect excuse to, to do it. Someone is asking so, for links. I will put them in the video description once the video the stream ends, and it will be processed on YouTube. I will always put the links for the models there. Yeah, we, we don't put them up ahead of time because we actually like want to surprise each other with, with what the, the print picks of the week are, so we don't share them ahead of time. Um, so it's a little delay in when you guys get the links, but it also means that that we get to to be enjoying what each other are showing. So, uh, okay. So moving on, 
Um, we've got a pretty a pretty big show this week, um, but we're going to go ahead and call in uh, David and Yuri and have them join us to talk about the new firmware release 3.9. Um, so let me let me add these guys in. All right. There we go. Hello, Yuri. Hello, David. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. Um, so uh, David is the head of our, our firmware development team. Uh, Yuri is one of the community contributors who's, who's making our firmware so much, uh, so much better than, than we could do it in-house. Uh, so uh, David, if, if you don't mind introducing yourself, uh, we, we kind of had this, this joke a little bit, but uh, your, yeah, okay, your name yeah. eludes me. <laughs> uh, hello everyone, my name is David Rehos. I am the team leader of FDM firmware development at Pusha Research. And uh, since this uh, sound have only the Czechs and probably one Indian tribe. On yeah, M Nicholas was nice enough to even make me a, a video uh, trying to learn to pronounce it. And I, I just, I, I felt so bad that I knew I was going to butcher it. So I, I acquiesced. <laughs> Right. Uh, okay. So, um, uh, Yuri, do you want to want to introduce yourself also? Well, I'm uh, Yuri Delia. I'm uh, just a contributor. <laughs> uh, I'm normally a software developer. I'm currently working in uh, research uh, from North Italy. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, all right, so you know, three nine is is jam packed. Firmware three nine for the the Mark three three uh, S uh, is just absolutely jam packed with with new features. Um, so we thought it'd be great to bring you guys in and talk a little bit about what all's going on there. Uh, so one of the biggest ones that you know everyone's excited about and everyone keeps talking about is linear advanced one point five. Um, but not everyone's totally sure what this is. And uh, I think now's a great time for you guys to kind of explain what Linear Advanced 1.5 is and, you know, why it's such a big deal, why everyone should be excited about it. Uh, should, should, hmm? uh, if, if I may, I, I would start with this. Uh, I would call it a major technical change. Solve is that the filament in the nozzle behaves like a spring. When you push it, uh, it takes a little time to start flowing from the nozzle and vice versa. If you pull it, uh, it, it takes some time to respond. So the idea behind Linear Advance is to do the necessary pressure changes in advance uh, so that the pressure in the nozzle is kept optimal. They generally accelerate and slow down, uh, slow down the head, bed, extruder and everything else. That's why we need an algorithm for pushing and pulling the filament in such a way that the flow at the nozzle tip reflects exactly what is written in the G-code. Uh, that's the basic idea be behind linear advance. So just to illustrate and it a little bit, uh, it's you basically stop extruding a little bit sooner before you like reach a corner, and then you start extruding. Exactly a little bit sooner than you actually want the filament to come out because the pressure needs to build into it the nozzle before it starts flowing out. I just wanted to simplify exactly. it a little bit. Right. And this this will help eliminate like blobs on the, the seam lines or blobs on corners and, and things like that, right? Yeah, it, it, it can eliminate a lot of things. Uh, but the most important thing is that this must happen in real time. Uh, so Linear Advance 1.5 is basically an approximation uh, of the springy movement of the filament because uh, doing it properly, uh, computing all the physics uh, would be too time consuming and uh, the 8-bit and probably the 32-bit won't handle it. Generally, Linear Advance brings sharp corners uh, because of better, uh, we shall be able to achieve higher print speeds than before. Uh, also, you might have noticed, those who already tried the 3.9, the printer behaves somewhat smoother. Uh, that's because uh, the Linear Advance 1.5 obeys the e-jerk. This wasn't true before. 
previous firmwares didn't care about the e-jerk, even though some of the profiles set it to very low values. Uh, last but not least, it makes sense with the uh, with, with the new um, bit, Mark III's and Mark III's. Um, of course, the main challenge was uh, there are already so many sliced G codes around the globe and sliced their G codes. Yeah, I mean, we even have Prusa printers where we share the G codes and there are like many already. Yeah, that, and uh, I just couldn't uh, approve that. We would force everyone to re-slice there. Like, for example, proven working production G codes. That, that is just unimaginable. Yeah, right. Uh, so, accidentally, if you really come across a G code that uh, doesn't print so well with the new firmware, uh, please report and attach your G code so that we can replicate and probably find the solution and fix it. Yeah, but ge oh, yeah. generally, it should port the old yeah, KVLUs yeah. to the newer ones and uh, work fine. It, yes, yes, it, it should work fine. Uh, the algorithm uh, has been tuned uh, to accept uh, the old linear advanced values, convert them into the new ones. Uh, it is able to accept the new ones and uh, act accordingly. It should work out of the box, but in, in case it doesn't, we are here. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there, there, there's the thing with upgrading all months, even with the, with all the RC releases. But what I what I wanted to point out that we see we see a lot of uh, like reporting, but on just one of the Facebook pages and just saying someone saying, "Oh, this doesn't work." We love to get reporting on fails and bugs because that is the way how we make the firmwares and softwares better but we need as much data as we can get and we need it on the github as an issue so for example if we are ideally we need the 3mf file uh because it has the settings you use attached to it and the resulting g code so we can rule out if it's a slicer issue or settings issue or the firmware issue or even a hardware issue Without that, uh, if uh, it is not very efficient, because if we uh, we have no way uh, learning from a report like like that, if you just say, "Oh, I updated the firmware and it doesn't work," we 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 cannot do anything from there. And as all the groups are not run, none of the groups are run by us. There is no way we can monitor everything, and the the developer time is uh spent developing and you, you know the amount of the posts on the on the groups is impossible for a single person if we would have if we would have someone just to look for these uh, reports and asking people for more information is basically impossible right so would you would you suggest uh information to uh to our developers the, the most optimal one is obviously the GitHub issues because that goes directly to developers and you will you will get response from the developers and they can ask you for more information but I understand that no one not everyone wants to sorry not everyone wants to uh, create a GitHub account so the second best way is to get all the inf uh, all the all the things I was uh, saying you should include with the with the back report into an email and send it to us. I think it's fine to dis discuss things on Facebook because then, you know, it's quick to, in the groups, you get a lot of feedback from all the other users, but it's really nice oh, yeah. if, if someone takes, you know, all the pictures from everyone or just says like, okay, guys, I see that this is a problem for everyone. And then someone, if someone reports it on GitHub where the devs will see it. I mean, but, but but obviously we we see a lot of uh, we see a lot of issues make different issues mixed into a one, yeah, and that basically taints the data. So we would prefer. Obviously, it is a good good thing to discuss uh, discuss new firmwares and stuff on on in the groups or on the forums. There's uh, nothing <laughs> nothing against that. That is a good thing, right? But we need to have like the specific reports from the from every user if, if that is possible.
Right. You're uh, just you're just trying to to streamline how users can give feedback so that we can we can yeah, make yeah. actions uh, on those uh, feedback. Uh, so we're we're not trying to discourage communication or discussions okay, or anything okay. like that, but but for sure making sure that we have have good streamlined of of getting things through. Um, if you have a GitHub account, it takes exact same amount of time, but you will get a reply from developer. Right. All right. Well, so uh, moving on. Uh, it was one of the other. I just wanted to stay a little bit with the linear advance because it was actually yeah. Yuri, who we have here who oh, worked on right. it. So, Yuri, how did it happen? How did the, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, just a user of our printer, not, not our employee, started working? At some point, I was, of course, modding my Prusa. So, I still got the kit for the Mark III. And I was quite happy with it, but I wanted to uh, print much slower. So I was looking into uh, geared extruders. Uh, it went on for maybe a couple of weeks, and then I disassembled the printer several, several times. I said, OK, maybe it's a bearing that ticks. Maybe it's the gears which are not aligned. I tried everything. And then at some point, I sent an email to the um, uh, to the vendor of the extruder, I said, maybe it's faulty because I keep hearing this click. And they actually replied to me, okay, we know something about this. You should try to disable linear advance. And I did, and the clicking actually went away. And I didn't know why, because I never developed for a, a printer before, but I looked into it. And uh, the reason was that when linear advance is engaged and you are printing for example, stuff like PETG, which is more elastic, the extruder accelerates a lot in the corners and without jerk control, it simply skips. So what was happening is that while, while it was filling small structures, it was basically ticking all the time. As well. I was hearing like if the bearing was bust, basically. In Marlin, I said, ah, how hard can it possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> Six but, months later. <laughs> yes, and this took something like six months, yeah. Of course, it mostly over the weekends and random spare time, but yeah, it took way longer than what I originally imagined. Yeah, even, I... even though the code was ready, so the, the code was working, but adapting it was very hard. I mean, Yuri, you can, I guess you can, <laughs> you can testify how how vigorously we test everything for a long time until it is perfect because I I, I, must, I, I think it must be very, very hard uh, to, to cooperate with us in this regard because I mean, if you would just norm, if, if you would, uh, the, you, if you would uh, make a branch of our firmware and just use it uh, just for the community, it would probably be out for a long time if, if we didn't bother with, with the conversion functions. Not only that, but I, I have uh, even more appreciation for testing right now because basically linear advanced, when I submitted the original pull request, I think it was somewhere around May or last year, maybe slightly later. And, you know, I've been using it ever since. And uh, from May last year to basically, what, six months later, we refined it so much more because we found so many small issues. It was tested even more by people. We even got a few more reports where actually Linear Advance 1.5 had very difficult uh, issues to debug, which are incredibly rare that you couldn't have found in any other way. So I, I really thank you also, the users that reported these issues, because you know I never experienced that, even printing with Linear Advance for six months. And uh, I'm really grateful that people really helped with testing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think what all this goes to highlight is you know how how much open source hardware, open source software really enables you know someone who is a user to kind of go in and really uh, improve the the product that they have. Um, and we you know we encourage all users out there that if there's there's something with your machine that you don't like. Um, work with us to fix it. You know, the, the tools are out there and the abilities out there. So, um, yeah, this is, this is really great. And there's a lot of other cool things in the firmware light, right? In the free yeah. I know, I know that yeah. I have definitely some that as a, just, you know, user, I really appreciate like the screen brightness adjustment, the file sorting, where if you override a file, 
it will actually be now on top. It's not just the file created, but file modified date, which is very nice. If you use the multiple sheets, we now get the name on the... And then there's there were so many things in the 3.3.90. Like... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the MMU users uh, will definitely have some things to be excited about um, with the, the new uh, uh, selector blade being enabled. Uh, can you talk a little bit? Even on the 3.8 in special branches, uh, basically, uh, the idea is uh, to enable the MMU to cut filament uh, in specific uh, situations. Uh, first of all, I would like to advise users to upgrade their MMU plastic parts with the new stronger ones to get maximum reliability and, of course, add a cut, proper cutting blade. Uh, the algorithm uh, is, as, is as follows. Uh, if the MME load fails three times in a row, the firmware in the printer instructs the MMU to cut the filament. Uh, during our tests on test farm, this approach showed significant lowering of failed loads during print. Uh, and it was really amazing uh, how much uh, of the failures uh, we could simulate or we were getting on, on some uh, some machines uh, have just uh, gone away uh, when the MMU was able to cut the end of the filament and try to push the new end into, uh, into the extruder. Yeah, that is a nice sleeper feature. Yeah. And, and, we, and we actually we actually have an, another sleeper feature in the 3.9 uh, firmware, which is the display. Yeah, we had, you mean the brightness? Yeah, we, we had the hardware, or at least shipping it for uh, some months, but actually nobody knew about it, and we could uh, enable it with firmware. Yeah, screen brightness is a very nice feature. Available on machines having INC 1.1a and the new LCD board. Uh, the user can set two levels of LCD brightness, the normal one and the dimmed one, dimming when there is no interaction with the user interface. Uh, the brightness menu uh, will automatically occur when the necessary hardware conditions are detected. Uh, I would like to stress this because we are getting issues uh, from users having either older this option gets uh, enabled. Yeah, so for the screen, uh, you need to have a Mark 3S from the second half of 2019 when we switch to these screens. Okay, we're getting Where is it again. Yeah, Chad oh, is asking course. a lot of questions, and we actually uh, asked for some beforehand on Twitter with the hashtag PerushaLive. And one that I kind of really liked uh, is from Toby. What are the benefits and downsides of using one or another? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Uh, both platforms are very similar, but so different. Uh, generally, the 32-bit platform is a leap forward, of course, from the developer's point of view. Uh, just to uh, tell you the specs, uh, the 8-bit has uh, 253 kilobytes of flash where you can put code, uh, 8 kilobytes, not megabytes, <laughs> of memory, RAM, uh, while the 32-bit has 1 megabyte of flash and 196 kilobytes of RAM. Uh, which brings uh, possibility to do more stuff in memory. The 32-bit platform also runs and 10 times higher frequency of the CPU than the 8-bit. The 8-bit was uh, or is 16 megahertz. Uh, the 32-bit is uh, 168, as, as far as I know. Uh, so on the 32-bit, we don't generally run into performance issues yet. <laughs> uh, unless trying to do something highly CPU-intensive, uh, read stupid. Uh, therefore, we can uh, render images, have a graphical user interface. Uh, all these nice features generally uh, do not improve the printing itself, 
but greatly improve the user experience with the machine. So it's also important to uh, think about the users that uh, who, who will be using. That's the what machine. I wanted to ask. Like, so if I buy a 32-bit board, is my machine gonna print better? Is it suddenly gonna be 10 times more precise and everything's gonna be awesome? Uh, not, not really. Uh, the machine, the, the 3D printer is not just the CPU or memory. Uh, it is very much uh, the firmware, of course, but also we don't have, uh, we, we must uh, keep in mind that it's a mechanical machine. There are moving parts. Uh, there is some hardware which uh, has to obey physical limits. So printing 10 times faster uh I wouldn't say it's an easy task to achieve, uh, but generally the things we are trying to solve on the 8-bit, uh, doing some even assembly language hacks, uh, trying to push the, the small CPU to do stuff in real time, we are not that limited on the 32-bit platform. Uh, David, I want to ask you, uh, so we are using Cortex-M4, which has uh, the floating point uh, acceleration. Yeah. Is yeah, is that an advantage over Cortex M3, which doesn't? Uh, it's a great advantage. Uh, I don't know ex the exact um, CPU cycles, how much it takes uh, with the FPU to multiply uh, two floating point numbers, but it's much, much faster than doing this in software. Okay, so, so it allows us to do clean, cleaner code, I guess, that we can just use the values from, from the code and just multiply them. And exactly. Not having to do anything with integer because I remember that with the eight bit we we converted everything to integer math or uh, yeah do, doing fi fixed point computations right. Uh, yeah, Wojciech, Wojciech, who is the lead of uh, Slicer, which I think should be with us next stream, did that. So I remember that. So we don't have we we. I guess the thirty two bit just allows us to to create uh, cleaner, more object-based uh, code, which obviously we are still now laying down the foundations for the next generation of printers, which will be powered by 32-bit. But it will allow us to uh, move much faster, I guess. Exactly. Uh, the CPU and the FPU uh, is a great advantage. Uh, we don't have to push the, the hacks that uh, make the code less readable and it helps. It's, also, it's, we have a hardware debugger on the 32-bit platform, which simplifies debugging of the code, nice. which is a great improvement over the 8-bit uh, where we couldn't use this. Um, and so, so, so many more. It's, it, it's a leap forward. Is 8-bit at the limit or is it, is it, is it not going not getting better? Is there no space for more features or? Is it going to keep being developed and more stuff still to come? Uh, well, yeah, that's an interesting question. When I came to Prusa, the 8-bit firmware was uh, at the limit of uh, code uh, 252 kilobytes. There was something like add two instructions and you're gone. Right now, after a few simple optimizations, we have something like seven kilobytes left, which is enough for many features. And with the, uh, with the optimizations and the linear advance 1.5 uh, we did in 3.9, I think the 8-bit still didn't say its last word. Uh, I think we can push it much, much more and gain some really interesting uh, print speeds. Actually, uh, I was trying one of the farm G-codes the other day. And with a simple tweak in the G-code, uh, I could uh, reach uh, three minutes down from the total print time. And that, that was just a simple tweak. Uh, I think we can push the 8-bit even further. And uh, with the 8-bit, uh, basically we are using the 80 mega 20, uh, 2560 from very early age of the Repair project. And I remember none of us at the beginning even thought that it would be possible to have LCD, <laughs> LCD running, not not to mention SD card with, with normal uh, FAT32 uh, file system, 
and like things like linear advance and acceleration because we didn't run with accelerations back then. I, I remember building printers with DC extruders and you know how we dealt. Uh, we, we've been talking about the linear advance, but how we've been dealing with this before. I mean, we just printed everything at the same speed <laughs> because the, the yeah. RPMs of the extruder, if you would try to PWM it down, it, it is not linear, linear, so it is very unpredictable. So you were printing at the constant speed and extrusion rate without no acceleration. <laughs> that, yeah. Good yeah. time. Or not even retractions. Yeah. I've got two questions in the stream. One was, uh, uh, will there be, and it's a traditional one, and already answered in the first stream, will there be an upgrade to 32 bits for Mark III? And yes. Eventually, when a successor to Mark III comes out, there will for sure be an already happening if you order the printer, which the uh, person in the chat said that uh, he's waiting for the printer. It will definitely arrive with the latest firmware already installed. Yeah, when I was looking at the chat, I also saw one, uh, one interesting one, <laughs> which uh, I know the answer, but I, I'm interested how David will answer. Uh, so since we moved to 32 bit, uh, can we slice on the printer? Uh, well, uh, the Cortex M4 is probably uh, too slow and doesn't have the resources to do it. Probably some basic slicing, uh, but if you take a, a more complex code and run it on your PC and have a look at the, the resources that be, they are being uh, consumed that takes uh, CPU power. How many cores does it run, at? and how many uh, memory does it take? Uh, and then imagine a printer doing this. Okay, uh, it is doable. Uh, right now, the slicer, as far as I know, can be compiled for the Raspberry Pi Four, uh, one of the previous versions of slicer, on an ARM board with two core, one gigahertz, and uh, two gigabytes of uh, of ram it did something but uh, you can't expect uh, the same comfort and uh, speed uh, you are getting on the pc yet yeah i i guess to not completely this the this the idea i would say it would be possible to do like scripts if you would want to do like basic shapes, you could generate the G code from from a script, but not not doing like the geometry cutting and and uh, mapping out the path inside the polygons. But I mean, if you uh, it it would be definitely possible to generate something like calibration G code for some features. I would say uh, on on the printer itself, not having it as uh, not having it as like a static G code. There, I think I think that is even on the eight bit for the live HSZ calibration, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there is a prepared uh, G segments are being computed, but that that's all. Yeah, but that is definitely not slicing. But I yes, would that, that that's not slicing. That's just generating the paths. Yeah. But yeah. I think it is an interesting insight. What can be done with the boards? Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so before we leave uh, firmware 3.9, uh, David or Yuri, do you guys have any like personal uh, personal favorite new features that we haven't haven't discussed yet that that you'd like to, to talk about? Well, I'd like to say a few words about Power Panic, and probably also filament sensor. Uh, mm -hmm. We did some uh, really good improvements in, on both. Uh, first, I would start with the Power Panic. Well, it wasn't substantially broken in previous firmwares. It was working, but there were just uh, tiny edge cases, uh, which, which could cause print quality degradation when resuming from power panic, uh, especially uh, when another power drop uh, occurred during resume, which can happen, of course. Uh, now, everything seems to work well, and there is even enough energy left to move the printhead away uh, to one of the sides uh, to prevent sticking to a print. Uh, there is one thing, one very uh, big task to solve, though, it's the MMU. 
Uh, in some cases, the motors, when the MMU is holding the filament or doing something, the MMU cannot respond that fast. And in those cases, uh, the MMU just sucks all the energy from, from the power source. So there is nothing left for the CPU to handle the power panic routines. Uh, this is yet to, uh, to be improved. And probably the filament sensor. Actually, there are improvements for Mark III and Mark IIIs too. Uh, I would start with Mark III. Uh, the optical sensor, the PAT9125 or whatever is that, uh, had quite a bad reputation. Uh, right now, we were able to get around some of the edge cases. Uh, so you should experience far less rechecks during print, even with excessive amount of retractions. Uh, that includes uh, specific filaments and also specific speeds when uh, the filament sensor was basically blind, uh, when the refresh rate of the optical sensor was uh, in sync with the speed, uh, with the move speed of the filament, that was one of the cases. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, for the Mark III S, uh, there is a new board. Uh, okay, I have Joe one. wants to say. I have one interesting tidbit uh, for uh, where the sensor we used was actually designed for, because obviously uh, the 3D printing market is too small for uh, the sensor manufacturers to even bother with. But this, the particular sensor we used is actually used on the digital smartwatches for reading the crown inside, reading the shaft of the crown. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri, do you have any any favorite things that haven't been mentioned yet? Well, it, I think we said the biggest ones. I would say that uh, as a Mark III owner, I really love the changes for the optical filament sensor. Uh, as an idea for me, it, I still think we should try to pursue that because I love the idea that there's no mechanical contact to the filament. I believe the uh, new firmware version can uh, pretty much work around all the issues. I mean, since the uh, since we fixed those issues, I was able to print all the time uh, without um, uh, incurring in rechecks. And uh, the nice thing about the optical sensor is that in theory now, it can also detect if you have a clock, which is something which I don't know if we mentioned in the release notes, but it's very interesting. So, and try to print again. And then if it's still detected, which is stuck, it's gonna try to do two more times. And at the third time, it's gonna try basically to ask the user to do a filament change. So if you really get a real clock, the printer can do something about it. And definitely see something new. So uh, there is ac the actual fact why we stopped using the filament sensors. Uh, it, sorry, I have to get. Uh, it's the it loudest beep I've ever heard. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I heard on the Mac. Remember that mute the phone? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was not the phone. It was the, the computer itself. But actually, what was the, the biggest problem was that the the top of it but that basically destroyed the the function of the of the sensor or it didn't work as as well or as good um so that was the ultimate decision because i mean you just touch it you just touch it even though it doesn't break you cannot clean it, it that that was the that was the good thing but we would definitely in the future printers would like to get back to being able to detect jamming yeah awesome all right. Well, thanks, guys. We really appreciate having you on the show. And uh, we'll probably have you on sometime in the future because we're always working on firmware, right? Like there's always there's always right. new updates coming. So uh, thank you for taking your time and thanks, uh, have a great day. Thank you. Goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Bye. 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 So we got really technical. I hope we weren't boring the chat too much. But uh, this is the stuff that you don't really hear from us very often, like the actual devs 
talking about the features and the stuff behind the scenes. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And the time flies. We have like 12 minutes left. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we 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 got to move. We got a lot to cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so that being said, we have some updates from some from some things that we talked about last week. Uh, one of which is uh, some of the print on demand functions. Uh, what did we add this week, Joe? So uh, I just I just wanted to quickly shout out about that that we added a function on the on the basically print uh, page next to download you can request a print so uh, you can do that directly from the page and you can choose people around you so that is hopefully uh, a starting point when more people will get to use it and you could uh, you can use your print time for helping others or or starting a small business, but there is definitely more updates coming uh, coming down the print on demand uh, print on demand way. Yeah, we have the new. And there's the button right on the, on the prints. Yeah. So re request a print. Yeah. So basically, if you're on a print, you can click the request print button, and it will show you users who offer print on demand nearby. Someone in chat was yeah. asking if you make money or we make money uh, by print on demand. I can answer both. We don't make money. We just connect you. And if you make money, that's really up to you. Uh, you will communicate. I mean, you as a, either the guy who is offering print on demand or you who wants something to be printed. It's up to you guys to figure out uh, if it's going to be. It's not just uh, basically we think of this as a service for for our uh, our users, so we we don't do it primarily to to get some more money, but we will we will see how this goes. And obviously, we need to do some some other things like uh, doing the price estimations. If you 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 could set something, so because many many of you have no idea how to how to price this out, we are planning an article on that. And yeah, I, I think I think that's pretty much it. I think we will have like every every month a little update on the on the Prusher renders because a lot of features are coming in. Yeah, and I, I definitely in the the very near future want to get the Prusher printers team uh, to come on and and talk more about you know what all's going on and what's what's in the pipeline on on Prusa printers because you know I think that's definitely exciting exciting thing forward. Um, last week we also talked about our new film. What, and in what, what do we have? Yeah, actually, we're oh, gonna okay. do, yeah we're gonna do a sneak peek of uh, something that's not even out yet and not even announced. That was, that was, that was the sneak peek, like. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, a uh, thing that's out is the Pet G Signal White. It's, I think you can see how it's clipping white. It's so white. It's the whitest white Pet G. I've seen it in a long while, so really, if you just need something that has to be white and it's not like yellowish white or creamy white, then this is really white. No glitter or oh. anything, just plain white color. And and the, 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 the white colors are extremely hard yeah. because there, there is a lot of titanium oxide, uh, the, the common white, or there are other pigments, but... You, the, the white pigments usually, if they if they are present in a large enough volumes, they create a lot of, I would say, disturbances in the flow. So that is why like uh, gray or super bright white filaments usually have uh, texture. So we will see how how this one will go, because uh, bef before the, I think this is our first true white. Am I right, Nicholas? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh... This is the, like, I know that the Prusherman guys tested a lot of whites and they just didn't print well. So we never released it because uh, yeah. it, it would be a sucky the, thing to do. We have the vanilla white where, yeah. where the whiteness is, is achieved by different way than just adding pigments. Vanilla white but is actually it, really nice, but it's not for the... It is, it is not super bright. Right. Yeah. It is like creamy, like vanilla, which is nice for some applications, but not for the ones where you need something super bright white. Right. Yeah, and and, and that's that's always been a challenge is having that bright bright white color. So it's it's nice to see. Ooh, ooh, what what do you got there? And oh. that's the unreleased PLA lime green, which is awesome. Oh my god, sign me up! It's so shiny. 
It's super saturated. Oh, this is. It, didn't we have that at Earth? Yes. I think it's okay. It's been in the pro like development for a really long time. Like this zombie hunt is probably even in some of our Halloween videos. Uh, this yeah. is, by the way, I think the hunt by Fotis. But yeah, yeah I... it's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is that is really great. Um, also, it's really nice to see that you are not clipping nearly as bad on or at all on the YouTube side of things, which is <laughs> nice. Um, uh, but yeah, it is it is really beautiful. I have wanted to have my hands on that since I saw it at Earth. Uh, and yeah, you can you know just shoot me over a spool, Nicholas. <laughs> it's, it's coming out tomorrow, most likely. Fantastic. That's so, that's great. Yeah, you can look forward to that. I mean, it's, it's going to be it's going to be such a nice combo with the the royal blue too. Yeah, it's so. the same type as royal blue or Miss Pink. Yeah. And do we have any more awesome ones? And, and on the on the side, we should have uh, we should have most of the colors in production back soon because we are still making the the orange or uh, and orange for PPE. Right. Just, we are still making that because the the pandemic is not over at all. I mean, maybe it is in your country and in our country, but there are still a lot of countries where it's growing. Latin yeah, America. for sure. So we will be making this for as long as it is needed. All right. So we are, are wrapping up in the last five minutes. So uh, I think we have we more questions. Yeah, I think I think we should jump into the the questions that we got from Twitter earlier. Um, so sure. uh, yeah, so Scott Hart uh, asked, uh, when will the MMU twos be available for purchase again? Marianne uh, Pearl actually asked a similar thing about uh, another upgrade. Yeah. It's a question about basically availability of all the upgrades. Right. Yeah, it, it it is very soon. I think we. I, I don't have the exact number because it is still it is still a little bit uh, uncertain, but we are doing that to uh, to increase production capacity for the regular printers. So because okay. when the when the coronavirus started, we had a huge surge of orders, and we don't want to get into uh, like March three lead time of three months or something. So we are. Focusing on that, but it should be getting pretty soon. Pretty I soon. checked with and shipping before the stream, and the guess was like in two weeks, most likely, as a as a good estimate. Yeah. yeah, we are still we are still hiring and training more people and finding a ways how to make it. And yeah, it it is. <laughs> It is interesting, even logistically, because the, the the shipping is still pretty slow around the world. And I mean, for the Noctua fans we use on on Mark III, we had to like send driver to Vienna to fetch it, so we didn't have to stop production or the increased rate of production. And same, same is basically with every supplier. So yeah, uh, so. Tom Jackson, uh, Filament Frenzy, who is a, a good a good friend of of Ed. So it's the Mark III S Jeans Edition and the Prusa Mini 007 Edition. Uh, what what do these secret names of these these beds mean? I didn't actually know, and I, there had to be a little oh. investigation for me to find out. Joe, did you know, Joe? These I know the. 007 because the the bed i think is seven inches yeah that's right and there's even seven thumbs uh, literally like uh imprinted yeah. uh, in orange on the heat bed yeah and i i didn't know about the jeans maybe if you have michael uh my, michael in the conversation i i know I, I found out about the jeans and it's all uh, because that version of the heatbat uh, was the first one with dash the jeans edition. Yeah, but, but when we are on it, uh, the, basically just the Mark 42, that was also a joke uh, by me and Michael because when I did the first heated bat with Joachim from uh, from Germany, the the, the OG heatbat. That was nice, but we called it Mark One. But then some uh, some uh, other people lost. People just assume that the higher number means that is 
higher number, more better. <laughs> but I, I didn't like that. So we kind of skipped everything by using Mark 42 because it is the answer to all the questions of the universe, right? That's Absolutely. <laughs> I have one. All right, guys. Right now, we can, oh. can we sneak it in? I think it's, yeah, let's sneak in one more. I have uh, time. We can, when can we expect Brucia Slicer 2.3 and Face Shield? Brucia Slicer 2.3, I think Alpha soon, but I don't have an exact date on that. But new Face Shield, that's actually like super around the corner. Uh, not face only shield, that. Yes, uh, we are actually releasing this week the, the article about how to certify. And uh, we will be providing if you are really serious about continuing making them uh, and in some normal numbers, we will be able to provide you with our certification. So you don't have to do it because it is very time consuming and expensive. Yeah. yeah. And we just got, uh, uh, there, there, is a, there is a project to create a stockpile. Face okay. shield, the certified one for the Euro starting with European Union, we'll see the demand. Nicholas, RC3 and RC4. the Pro. No, it is RC3 or RC4 slash Pro. Both are certified. Yeah, but yeah. Just the Pro, because uh, well, I'm Prusa yes. printers too, of course. The 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 newer version soon. That is, I think, till Friday or something. something. I don't know when when the article will be out because we are waiting for translations because. This one, it is very important to have it in all the languages. Yeah. And yeah, that is that is worth a, a, a quick mention right before we sign off here. But uh, translations are also a big thing that's that's coming down the path and, and a lot are already out there. Um, so a lot of our existing articles and manuals and things are being translated into what seven languages. Yeah, all right. Um, so, oh, I'm on block and I'm signed in. I'm OK. I'm not going to show that. I almost showed something. Yeah. But okay. basically, if All you're right. on the block, and if you will see uh, flags, uh, so you will see if the article is translated into your language. Obviously, if you're watching us right now, you probably can understand English pretty well. But still, it may be very nice to have it in your native language, or for example, if your friends uh, don't speak English. We okay. want to thank everyone for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next show. Two weeks. We we are seeing all the oh. all the all the comments down there. I, I'm I'm monitoring them and all the Twitter comments. We are not yeah. forgetting about them. I am keeping them here in a, in a document. We will try maybe. to address them because, some other time. Because maybe maybe we could do additional like just Q and A with me without the live stream, or maybe uh, maybe jo Joseph reading mean comments or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. we, we don't don't worry about it. We will definitely get to your your questions. Uh, you know, in one way or another, we we will get there. But we definitely appreciate you sending them all in, uh, and we we appreciate you guys dealing with our technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thank you for okay. watching.